We're going to go into a series over the next couple of weeks called God Never Said That. We're going to identify some things that some people attribute to God that he actually never said in his word. Kind of like God will never give you more than you can handle. Okay, God never said that. That's not in his word. Everything happens for a reason. Listen, God never said that. That's not in his word. Today, we're going to discuss happiness that God never said I want you to be happy. Before we get into that, could you do me one huge favor? I missed it in first service, so we got to make up for it. But would you help me welcome all of those who are joining us live online and who will watch throughout the week? And specifically, come on just a little louder, those brothers and sisters in Christ at the Eunice Correctional Facility. It's our first campus plant. Never planted a campus before. And all we had to do was buy some connectors and a couple of televisions to show them that, man, Jesus loves you just as much as he loves everybody else. And he still has a plan for all of our lives. Today is the the popular but but incorrect idea that, that God wants us Above all else, God wants us to be happy. Now, I would love to tell you that that is the truth, but in all honesty, it's just not a biblical fact. Not too long ago, we had a a sleep-in in the children's room. It was a girls only sleep in. Pastor Lydia put it together and, and they had a sleep in. And, and uh, my wife said she was going to come. And I said, No, you're not because you're staying home because the girls aren't going to be home. So, anyway, so, anyway, so they had a sleep in and, and our kids were really excited about it. And this is just kind of a principle in our home. I'm not saying that your conviction or my conviction should be your conviction, it's just kind of an explanation. But we just don't do the spend the night thing. Um, it's not because I don't trust the people that I know or, or I don't trust their child or, or them, but we just we don't have people spend the night with us unless it's just an absolute necessity and, and we don't send our kids to other people's houses, just, just, just a covering for them and, and for us and, and all those things. So our girls, to say, were ecstatic about this this sleep in the church because they were going to be up here all night long and, and we were going to have so much fun. And they were actually so excited about it that it was like Christmas. Like they had a calendar, like a sleep in calendar. And Adeline and Emery were like Xing out the days, counting down the days to the Friday night sleep in at the church. It's like so excited about this thing that Pastor Lydia and her crew, I'm sure, were excited about. But I don't know if you've ever been at one of these like lock-in things with a bunch of kids that aren't yours. Okay? But this is not something that even as a youth pastor, I was like, yay, the lock-in is this weekend. I'm going to stay up all night with a bunch of stinky teenagers. Oh, praise the Jesus. I'm so excited. But my girls were. And they were having this conversation about the lock-in or the sleep-in. And, and Emery was like, I'm so excited. It's this weekend. And, and you think it's going to be fun. And Adeline looks back at her. And Megan happened to hear this conversation. Adeline looks back at her and she says, it's going to be the best night ever. And they were like, really? Yeah. And if you know Adeline, like she's usually just so reserved. She's like our precious moments doll. It's like just by looking at her, she really has a lot to say, but she doesn't really say that much. But she was ecstatic about this. And man, they came home Saturday morning. They had a blast. They only slept for like five hours that night. 
And they were excited about all, they were telling us about all the stuff. Like, when I pick her up from school, I'm like, how's your day? What did you do today? She doesn't say anything. She's like, it was good. Did you learn anything? No, not really. Really, nothing. Like, the whole day. Eight hours away and, and nothing. But this time, she's, she's excited. She's telling me all about it. We were doing this, and we were doing that. And they were so happy. They were so excited about it. Um, but that same morning <laughs> that they were so happy... We had our children's pastor with a group of ladies that were up here scrubbing about five urine spots out of the carpet on their hands and knees, cleaning up somebody else's excrement. <laughs> Is that a word? I don't know. Look that up later for me and tell me. So what, what my children thought, same place, same event, what my babies thought was like, the best night ever. Pastor Lydia and her crew were like, why did we do this? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you not know? Why didn't we think to put them on drop like vinyl mats? Vinyl mats. It's not that hard of an idea. What you may find happy or exciting may have cost somebody else something. And God doesn't love the person that found a, a happy situation any more than he loves the person or less than he loves the person that didn't find that situation to be so happy. One of my friends, when he was a youth pastor, uh, my best man in my wedding gave the youth pastor a vehicle. He was going on a long mission trip. He was going to be there like six months. Um, and he was going on this trip, and he had this mid-'90s Ford Explorer. It wasn't very nice, but it still ran, and everything worked in it. And, and he gave it to the youth pastor, and people were like, Man, pastor, you, you are so blessed. Like, man, God must really love you. And he's like, Hold up. So, like, did God not love me last week? When I didn't have a vehicle, like when I, was, when I was riding my bicycle to work every day, was God like, dude, if I just loved you a little bit more, <laughs> if, if you weren't so chubby, I'd give you a vehicle. I'm a, did God not, God didn't bless me when I was riding my bike, and now that I have a vehicle, I'm, I'm blessed, and, and he loves me more? No, 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 no. No, because our, our happiness is not tied to our happenings, no matter what we think in Western culture or what prosperity gospel may be taught. And ultimately, God is not tied to happy. If I wanted to teach you that God ultimate concern was, was for your happiness, I could do it. And I could even use scripture partially. Watch this. Psalm 97, 12. May all who are godly, come on, say it with me, be happy. May all who are godly be, let's try again, be happy. There we are, 11 o'clock. You guys are, you know, it's going to make me work for it. It's okay. Psalm 38, 4. Find out for yourself how good the Lord is, and let's say it with me. Happy are those who find safety with him. It's biblical. God wants me to be happy. Okay, listen, here's the problem with that. Those are terrible translations. <laughs> I picked them on purpose. You're going to see through this message um, that if we, if we limit God to our happiness, that it actually becomes a, a very detrimental mentality, a very detrimental mentality. We could even um, begin to base our theology, our belief system, on our happiness. So uh, in your notes today, on the back of the bulletin, I've, I've put 
the notes, and some people were really excited about that. I was challenged by a great friend to maybe take just another 20, 30 minutes a week and make an outline, and so we put those in the notes today. If, if you don't have that bulletin, you can go to eunicechurch.com slash notes because Pastor John is more techie than me, and he has the notes posted online for you whoever number six is your baby is pitching a fit just settle them down and you can come right back in here because we got people that are serving that too number one whatever makes me happy if my theology is based on happiness whatever makes me happy must be right whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong because God wants me to be happy if I'm not happy and it must be wrong. Cheryl Crow sang a song in the, in the mid-90s. That I did this earlier. I guess I'll do it for you also. But it went something like, if it makes me happy. And then she does this. My wife told me not to do that the first time. <laughs> Can't be that bad. She's like walking around. If it makes me happy, then why the heaven are you so sad? It's not really how it goes. But even Cheryl Crow, even Cheryl Crow recognized, hey, look, you're doing what makes you happy, and yet you're still sad. Because happiness is not based on what we do or what we're surrounded by. Number two, if, if you think that the, your theology or your belief is that above all else, God wants me to be happy, then, then discomfort or delay, risk, or suffering, even inconvenience, or obstacles. Well, well, God wants me to be happy, so, so all these things, that can't be God's will for me. Listen, friend, the, the, the opposite is actually true. In fact, that you, there will usually be an obstacle between you and where God wants you to be. And it's, it's in facing that obstacle and overcoming that obstacle by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony that, that takes you from where you are into God's will into the next phase. I used to, when I first came into ministry, I, I, I had this mentality. Like 2008, I was a part-time children's pastor, which I was never supposed to be. Because I, mean, I love my kids. I just don't like most people's. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love them. Just don't like them. Bible never said I had to like everybody. He said, love everybody as you love yourself. Okay, so anyways, I was a children's pastor, so I was learning how to like and love kids, not mine, all at the same time. And I just thought, man, there were times when I would like not do something because it was, it was really difficult or, or an obstacle came up. And so because the obstacle came up, I would just literally, I was, I was 27 dumb, okay? And, and I was like, man, that must not be God's will. Like, God must not want me to do that. No, God, God does want you to do it. He just wants you to, to learn how to, to walk over things that used to get in your way. And until you take the next step, you're never going to get to the place that he wants to take you or me. Number three, without knowing it, if if we believe that above all else, God wants us to be happy without knowing it, we begin to worship false gods. We begin to worship idols like comfort, money, pleasure, or the things that provide that for a short term, for a season. 
And, and we become what Paul warned against, where we begin to worship the things over the Creator of those things. Is that our focus is on the stuff and the people. And then we begin to blame God and doubt God when the stuff and the people let us down. And, and God is saying, listen, I am not subject to who they are. They are subject to who I am. And you need to stop pace, basing what you believe and think about me on them or the things around you. I'm the creator of everything that was and is and is to come. And I am not subject to those things. If you will stand firm, endure to the end, then you shall be saved. If I believe above all else that God wants me to be happy, then I may falsely believe that God exists to serve me. I may falsely believe that God exists to serve me, but the truth is, take me to the next slide, there it is, we exist to serve Him. He doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. We can reduce God down to, to some sort of formula. Like, man, I, I went to church this week. I, I gave as God purposed in my heart. I gave the first fruit. I gave, I gave 10%. Like, every, the, the tithe. I brought the tithe to the storehouse. And God, God owes me. I, I invested in this. And, and now I'm owed something because I, I made the right investments. I, I put my coins in. I, I prayed this morning. I, I read my Bible. Let me take it the other side. It... it if you're condemning yourself because you're not doing those things, then you still are allowing the enemy to have his way with you. A couple of weeks ago, we were in a series, um, and I preached a specific message in the midst of that series that the enemy was cast out of heaven with a third of the angels because of the abundance of trading. Because of the abundance of trading. And what we learned in that series, but I didn't even really realize until somebody else put it into words for me, is that the devil doesn't want you to worship him. He just wants you to not worship God. He doesn't care what you worship. He doesn't care what you put your substance or your hope or your faith in. As long as you don't put it in God, his objective is served. As long as you're worshiped, the Bible says, by the abundance of trading. Like, he'll, he'll put it out over anything or anybody else. If you'll worship that person or that thing or that place... As long as you don't worship God, then you're right where the enemy wants you. And sometimes, instead of treating him like the creator of everything that was and is and is to come, we treat God as if he's some sort of cosmic Coke machine that, that we put our change into. And because we did the right thing, we should get the return. I just, I put my money in and I press the button. Now give me what I requested. But, but God is not a genie. He's not a Coke machine. And He's not subject to a formula. What's devastating about this is that I know a lot of people, like personally know a ton of people that we've ministered to over, to the, over the years and, and, and some that we've even ministered with that are no longer serving God today because they, they had this idea that God owed them something. And they walk away from God because they had the wrong idea of God. So they had the wrong presumptions. And ultimately, they had the wrong perspective. 
Because when we assume or presume that something is, and then it, we, we don't just see the something incorrectly, we, we have the wrong perspective about everything around. And people will walk away from God because they had the wrong idea. If, if God wants me to be happy and I'm not happy, then there's something wrong with me in my relationship with God. If God wants me to be happy and I'm not happy, then there's something wrong. God failed me. But God doesn't want us to be happy. If, 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 there's, if, if God is tied to my happiness, then, then I've tried religion. I've, I've tried church. I've, I've, I've tried Southern Baptist. I've tried Catholicism. I've, I've tried Assembly of God, United Pentecostal, Methodist. I've tried all the things, the tongue talkers and the sitters with the hands in the... I've done all of it from one end of the scale back and forth. I've done everything I know to do, and I'm still not, I'm still not happy. But listen, I said this last week, and I want to echo it again today. That Jesus and his body, the body of Christ or the church, Jesus is not something that we try. He is someone that we choose. He is someone that we confess as Lord of our lives. And our confession is not subject to our circumstance. Our confession is subject to who he is and who we desire to be in him. Our happiness is not God's highest priority. Now, it's not that he doesn't delight in our happiness. Let me lighten the mood a little bit because that's all heavy. Like, whoa, oh, my Lord. Can we just go up on this roller coaster for just a minute? I love my babies. And I love it when they're happy. But just the other day, one of them talked to their mama as if she was the friend and not the mama. And for just a minute... It got a little bit ignorant in my living room. <laughs> I want them to be happy. But, but I'm more concerned about their attitude than I am their ability. I went to a football game. This is a hypothetical situation. Let's say I go to a football game and I have a 12-year-old little brother. Uh, I'm sorry. A little brother is 12 years younger than me. And, and he's at a school. He's actually doing pretty good in football. And, and he's met the oh, linebacker. And he's there. And he's number 10. Just hypothetically. And, and in that game, man, somebody comes around the end. And my little brother cuts him off. Boom! Lays him out. Right? I'm sitting with his daddy. who's my stepdaddy. Never treated me less than anything uh, than his own son. And, and I jump. We're both excited. Like, whoa! Bust him, got him, whoa, you know, got jacked up. <laughs> and we're screaming and we're excited because we're, we're happy that he's happy. We want to delight with him. And then all of a sudden, my little brother jumps up and, and he's doing the same thing we are. He's like, yeah. And then he jumps over the top of that dude. He's like, whoa, I told you. Because they've been going back and forth all game, hypothetically. And it's, whoa you hey and then all of a sudden this little yellow flag comes out of the zebra guy then he throws the throws the yellow flag and all of a sudden instead of being excited for my little brother and hypothetical little brother and uh excited for him his team has a 15 yard penalty because he had bad attitude and I don't just keep going, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sucker, got him, <laughs> knocked him out, do it again. Take the zebra out next time too. No, no, we don't do that. Because I don't just delight in his happiness. Because happiness 
without holiness is hopeless. There's no hope in happiness if it doesn't come alongside holiness. And listen to me, friend. God does not want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue Him. He wants us to pursue who He is. And we're not, we're not pursuing Him because of what He can provide. Come on, don't let me lose you. He, we're not pursuing Him because of what God can provide. We are pursuing Him because of what He's already provided. Not because of what He can do, but because of what He's already done. And I get to walk in the victory that's already been won for me. I get to overcome the obstacle because the obstacle has already been overcome. So I'm not pursuing God. God because of what he can do for me I'm pursuing him because of what I realize he's already done and I don't pursue happiness I pursue him because he is holy he is holy God doesn't want us to be happy number one when it causes us to do something wrong or unwise wrong or unwise and and right there you could just if you're taking notes or flip over the back or go online, you can, you can write something sinful. God doesn't want us to do something sinful or, it's one of my favorite words in the world, stupid. <laughs> because the opposite of wisdom is stupidity. <laughs> and, and my wife doesn't like it when I say that word, which is why I say it on purpose sometimes. God, I shouldn't do that because it's not honorable. But I tell her, lady, <laughs> it's in the Bible, girl. The Bible says, he who loves discipline, loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is surely stupid. And sometimes, if we think that God wants us to be happy, then we will do sinful things or otherwise stupid things because it makes us happy. I was in Zimbabwe, and I was getting ready to do something stupid and unwise, I don't think it was simple, but it was stupid. We had signed up and met with a tour guide to jump off of a perfectly good bridge. There's a bridge that goes across Victoria Falls or uh, the river that feeds Victoria Falls. And, uh, and it goes from Zimbabwe into Zambia. And in the middle of this river is this really nice platform with this uh, little spongy looking rope. You know, it's got a little boomerang type action to it. It's called a bungee cord. And, and you strap that to your feet and, with a towel. Like, like, not like a really nice harness, a towel, like you could get out of your bathroom cabinet and roll around your leg. Like, dude, that's like a towel. That's not like a, a this is what I'm jumping. So, so you take the towel and then you put these bands around the towel. I was like, guys, I don't know about you, but I've had towels on before that didn't stay there. And, and I can't afford for that to happen here, <laughs> like 200 feet on my way, right? If I'm standing, never mind. So the, the towel and then the strap, and then between you and the strap is this 200-foot fall, and you jump, and you're supposed to spring back up and go back down, spring back up. And people pay good money to jump off a perfectly good bridge. It's, it's kind of unwise, but hey, we do it. Well, not too long ago. And actually, it's really only accident that they have, like, specifically recorded at Victoria Falls. And so if you ever go, hey, pay the money, jump off the bridge. I was going to, but God spared me, and the tour guide showed up late. So I was like, huh, obstacle must not be the will of God for me to jump off this bridge. So, but this one lady did, and she jumped, and she got halfway down. And when that cord got to the bottom, there was something faulty in the cord, and the cord snapped. 
and she hit the water. Now they say, and I don't know who they are, but they do say that if you jump more than 20 feet, at past 20 feet, landing in water is comparable to landing in concrete. Like it's just, it's comparable to landing on the ground. And I have a hard time believing that because this girl jumped off a bridge and went from 200 feet up, had a little bit of torque taken off of her, and hit like belly flop. Like she'd have won every belly flop competition that any cruise ship has ever had. In the river. And then she starts going down river. And you can hear the people in the YouTube video. We stayed up late before we were going to bungee jump and watch YouTube videos of bad things happening. <laughs> That's what we do. It's a true story. So she's going down the river. And people are like, is anybody going to get her? And somebody's like, hey, jump in. Save her. You know? It's like, no, nobody said that. But they did say, is anybody going to get her? And there was nobody there. So she just goes on down river. And hey, look, good story. She actually lived. <laughs> She was just, yeah, praise God. Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah. I think Brenda would jump. If she went, we, she wouldn't do that. <laughs> she lived. In fact, here's crazy. She actually only had like a, a few bruises and like she wasn't even all busted up. She was, she looked like she got beat up, but on the inside, she was, everything was in place and fine. And I was like, wow, that is cool. I'd have come out looking like a pretzel you could never put back together, I'm afraid. But she was doing it because she wanted, she wanted to be happy. Right? If I have this thrilling experience, I can be, I can be happy. 1 Peter 1.15 says, Be as he who called you, but as he who called you is happy. God's just sitting up there like, Man, just, everybody's so happy. I'm so glad all these people are going to hell, not living for me. I'm so glad that they don't love my son. I'm just so happy. No, no, no. Listen. As he is holy. As he is holy, be holy in all your content. Be holy in all your conduct. Not happy. The first marriage that I ever did, it's a little bit personal, a little bit sensitive. And, and I don't want you to be condemned by this moment. So I want you to shake that off right now, okay? Because I'm, I'm sharing a, a true story. The first marriage that I ever did was a, a mother in our church called me. And asked, not here, but called me and asked me if I would do the wedding of her son and his girlfriend. And I was like, man, I didn't even realize they were dating very long. I, they're kind of young, don't you think? Like, they're just like 17 and 18 years old. Um, which, I, if you get married at 17 or 18 years old, I, I don't really care. As long as you have a job, you're not living in your mama's basement. It's up to you. I'm for uh, short engagements and long marriages. I don't care when they start, as long as they stay. So anyways, he called and asked, if, if she called and asked if I would do it. Well, this, this little guy, is not, he's really not really even connected to our youth group. And, and I've only really seen this girl in the community at times. And you guessed it, she's pregnant. And I, and I made sure, like I, I know, like we, pregnancy outside of wedlock, it, it happens. And listen, I want you to understand something. That if that happens to you, you shouldn't be ashamed. Because pregnancy is not a sin. Sex before marriage is a sin. Sex outside of marriage is a sin. And it would be silly to believe that you could have sex outside of marriage and then get married and that person is going to stay faithful to you. So that's why we have 70% divorce rate in the United States, even amongst the church. Because really they're just doing the same thing in marriage that they were doing before they ever got married and they never repented and God let God make them whole. Anyways, so in this midst, in the midst of this, this little girl's pregnant. And so they thought they should get married. And I said, look, you being pregnant is not a sin. You having sex outside of marriage was a sin. 
So let's not, let's not compound the mistakes just because you're pregnant because you happen to get caught, <laughs> okay? This baby is not a curse from God. It's a heritage from the Lord. So let's not compound the mistake and just get married because we're pregnant. Like, I don't want to do that. And so we met, and we did all the pre-marriage stuff. I can't call it counseling because I don't have a certificate. We did all the advising. We talked about all the stuff. We put it all out on the table. I even called this guy, and I said, hey, bro, you're not supposed to get married. He's like, Pastor, what do, you, what do you mean? I'm telling you, you're not supposed to marry this girl. You don't have to do it. You don't have to be with her. I'll tell her family for you. You don't have to follow through. You're, you, I, I will be your out right now. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm ready. I want to get married. And I said, good, because if I can talk you out of it, then you don't need to do it. So if, if you're that ready, then let's do it. Let's make the covenant. We did the marriage. It was a beautiful ceremony. God really redeemed and restored them. They kept their hands off of one another, so they said, for uh, leading up to the marriage. And, and God redeemed it and restored them. And then within a year, this girl calls Megan and is like, hey, we're busting up. We're done. He's done with me. I'm done with him. I don't want to do it anymore. And I finally get the opportunity to talk to him because one of the prerequisites for me doing a wedding is that if you ever decide that you want to bust up on covenant, you have to come back to me and give me the opportunity to warn you out of it. So he called me. And he said, man, I just, I, you're not going to change my mind. I'm done. I'm done. I, I'm not happy. I, I was never happy. I never really loved her. And listen, again, listen, don't hear my heart. I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn you if you've been through this. I'm a product of, of two people that probably didn't need to be together, and they got separated, and God took a broken thing and, and made it beautiful, and then the whole situation is great for me now. So I'm not, I'm not condemning you today. It's not what I'm doing. I'm using this as an example that God is not just concerned about our happiness. It doesn't matter if you're happy. Holiness was a covenant that you made with that person before God, and holiness says in sickness and in health, Till death do us part. No matter how I feel, no matter what you've done, I'm going to stay. If I think that happiness is the ultimate objective, even though I'm unhealthy, I may still go buy me about four two-liter bottles of high fructose corn syrup and be really happy about it. I know I'm unhealthy. Oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I'm sick. I can't stay well. Oh, man, I'm always hurting. Oh, my back's hurting. I know I'm... Anyways, oh, my knees are hurting, and I need to lose this weight. No, I can't eat another bite. Oh, is that chocolate pie? Y'all made chocolate pie? Come on, somebody. Yeah. Happiness, says, happiness says, go ahead. If it feels right, it is right. I know. I can't stand my job. Oh, I, have, I know I have three kids, and I have a mortgage and a car payment, and I need health insurance, and, and I need to provide for my family, but oh, my boss is such a jerk, and God wants me to be happy. I quit. Now what? <laughs> My spouse isn't fulfilling my needs, so looking at this stuff when nobody else is around makes me feel a little bit better for a moment. Flirting with that coworker makes me feel... Receiving that attention or giving that attention. My spouse isn't making me happy. I, I have a right to be happy. God wants me to be happy, so I justify things that are sinful and are unwise, maybe even stupid. We're in love. Oh, we're in love. I, I know I'm only 15, and if I get pregnant, then there's nothing I'll be able to provide for this baby. But oh, we're in love. I know the Bible says that fornication is a sin that will not inherit the kingdom of God, but he doesn't still mean that. There's such an old school principle. No. Holy as he is holy. We have movies. We have movies and TV shows, and we're entertained by sin. And by the way, that's how secular society snuck it in. 
when the Christians started being entertained by things that Jesus died for. Oh, I know how to get the Christians to approve or accept this sinful act. Let's just make it funny. Let's take the homosexual man and have him be the hilarious character in the comic strip. And everybody will accept it because it's amusing. But listen, friend, funny doesn't make wrong right. We have to be holy as he is. And I'm not beating you up if you feel things or you're carrying. And I love, I, the, one of the proudest moments of my life is when I led a young man who, who just sensed that he had feelings for somebody else, a, 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 a member of the same sex. I, I led that guy to Jesus in the front seat of a suburban at 3 o'clock in the morning in front of his house. It was the greatest moments that God has ever given me. Because I showed him who God created him to be and what God had for him. And he didn't have to carry the weight of who he wasn't or what he was feeling because our faith is not based on our feelings. We don't worship at the altar of happiness. We worship at the altar of God. Number two, God doesn't want me to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. When it's only based on the things of this world. I know, listen, I know this is heavy. But the win is holiness the win is, is not just everything that we've been doing wrong. It's the things that we could begin to do as he has done. I was watching TV when I should have probably been asleep. And, uh, and QVC actually gave me all the answers to happiness in that moment. It's a guy with a blue shirt. And he was really excited about this new pillow top mattress. If I just put on my bed, I will sleep and rest well in the Lord for the rest of my life. All I needed is right now five payments of $39.95 for the next seven months. And then this, this rest that the Lord has for me could be right here in my own home. If I just had this blanket with sleeves. Oh, I could snuggle and eat chips at the same time. It's got to be from Jesus. Snuggy me, baby. I need this. I, I, I need that miracle cream to make these crow feet go away. Nobody like crow. This a miracle cream. Give me the number. Take my credit card and my car payment. <laughs> as long as you give me the miracle cream, make this one dimple go away. I don't got one over here. I don't want one over here. It don't make any sense. I want to be smooth and baby faced for the rest of my life and make me happy. New iPhone. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, I don't know if you know, they came out with that iPhone X mark. Whoo! That's 10 in numbers. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Oh, it would make me happy if this old cruddy phone would be better. I need that new purse. Whoa, look at his tinny pumps. That's what we call them in North Louisiana. <laughs> Man, if I had those shoes, I would fit in like everybody else. And then we subject God to some sort of formula. Here, watch this. The world shows us a formula of happiness. Better possessions, peaceful circumstances, thrilling experiences, right relationships, and the perfect appearance equals happiness. And so we want everything that the world has to offer and we'll do whatever it takes to get it because that guy in the blue shirt looks happy. I want to be happy like he is happy. Here's the problem. <laughs> All those things are like that crawfish bisque that my wife used to make when we were in Searcy, Arkansas. 
It's an imitation. It even almost tastes like the real thing. But them frozen two-year-old crawfish with a little bit of imitation crab lump meat, you know, that, that stuff ain't no good. Don't eat that, okay? If it's $3 for a reason, y'all. Crab meat ain't $3. Don't be buying that. I don't care if it is from Champagne's. All right. If you're online, that's not how you say that here. And I never knew what I was missing in a can of corn and some, I don't even, plastic potatoes in juice. I don't even know. Potatoes don't come in water. Why is that in there? One night, Pastor Weston and I had some leftover crawfish, and we shelled every one of them, cleaned them off, and we took that corn. And, and we cut the corn off of the cob that had been boiled with the crawfish. And we took them potatoes and we chopped up the... Well, actually, we brought the potatoes home. We let them chop them up. Yeah, don't look at me like that. I'm telling the truth. All right, so we let them chop the potatoes up. And they put that, the, the fresh, never frozen, like the real thing, not the, the Cersei, Arkansas thing. There's only two things came good from Arkansas, and that's both my babies. Other than that, anyways. And Bill Clinton. No, I'm oh, sorry. They put the, the real ingredients in the crawfish bisque. And I'm telling y'all, and mama don't, I hope this doesn't offend you, but if she'd have been there, I'd have smacked the, I'm just, woo, it was good. It was slap your mama good. It was that kind of good. It was that much better. Because listen, listen, listen. There's no substitute for the real thing. And you can get all the stuff in the world, and you can still feel suffocated. Because 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 it says, do not love this world or the things that it offers. Because when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you because God's in the wrong place. God is not part of the equation. He's the creator of the equation. He's not in the book. He wrote the book. So He doesn't come as part of the puzzle or something that we do. He is who we are. And when we love the world, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having nice things. I don't think there is. I'm wearing a polo shirt. That would make me a hypocrite. This is nice clothes that I bought at Burlington Factory for like 20%, 50 whatever. God's not against you having nice things. not what I'm saying. He is against you loving those things, finding more fulfillment in those things than you do in Him. For the world offers only a craving. It's only a craving. It's only good for a minute. That's why you feel so guilty when it's over. Ever heard of buyer's remorse? <laughs> that's that answer right there the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything we see and then pride in our achievements and our possessions these are not from the father they're from the world verse 17 and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave but anyone here's the answer come on here's the win anyone who does what pleases God will live Forever, Because God does not want us to be happy. He wants us to be like Him. He wants us to be holy. Final point this morning. God wants you to be blessed. Blessed. The original word for blessed in the Scripture is makarios. I've heard some scholars say makareos, but I just couldn't say that because it reminded me too much of the, you know... I couldn't do it. I was like, it's, I got to say Macarios. I have to. Song made me happy in junior high, but I had to say, had to say something else. And Macarios 
It means, listen, watch this, supremely blessed, more than happy. It doesn't mean that you'll never get sick, that you'll never lose a job, that you'll never have a giant zit on the front of your face in the family photo. It's not what it means. It doesn't mean that things are always going to go your way, that God says yes to every prayer, that you get to build your dream house. It's not what it means. It means that you will be blessed That in fact, Jesus promised that in this life, there will be tribulation, but fear not. Fear not in your pain. Fear fear not in your storm. Fear not in your weakness. Fear not in your trial. Because He is your comfort in the pain. He is your peace in the storm. He is your strength in the weakness. And He is your joy in the midst of your tribulation. That I'm blessed. I'm not just happy all the time. I will be happy all the time. No. I'm holy even when I'm not happy. And so because I remain in Him, I remain blessed in the midst of everything, anything, or in the company and presence of anyone. Man, if I just hung out with people that made me happy all the time, I never get to hang out with very many people. If you think you're one of them, then Psalm 37, verse 4. We've all heard this verse, but I'm not sure that we've ever heard it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now that makes the prosperity preacher really excited. But it doesn't make God a cosmic coin machine. Because to think that if I just serve God, then he'll do what I want is not the original language of this verse. The word delight right here, it actually means what Pastor Weston told me in confidence at an altar at this conference this past week. I said, guys, tell me one thing that I could do better. Tell me one thing. And I had to force it out of them. (laughs) Tell me one thing that you wish that I could be a little bit better at. And he didn't know that I had this verse in my message. He said, man, I I guess you could be a little bit softer. You just like ease up on the stern sometimes. And I thought, man, if I've made him that feel that way, then how do my kids feel? Delight means to soften. To make yourself delicate. Even you. Oh, men of men, delight yourself to soften, to make yourself delicate, to humble yourself before an almighty God, and he will give. And that is a terrible word, but English just struggles to translate properly sometimes. The actual word is he will place within you. He will put, put in the desires So when you delicate yourself, when you make yourself soft before God, when you stop being a rock and you start being a sponge, then God will take the softened form of you and He will put what He has for you in your heart. And then when you pray His will, it will happen. Because His desire is your desire because He put it in there. So I'm positioned and I'm softened and He places His desire in me and I'm living a blessed life. One more example, we're going to get out of here. This is Max Lucado's example. 
Max Lucado answered the question, and I don't even want to make it rhetorical. I want you to answer out loud. If I take a fish and I put him on the beach, nicest beach in the world, Cancun, that's where we're going, girl, right here. She's taking me October. Take a fish, put him on the beach. Is the fish happy? All right, let's say we give him a pile of cash. Come on, he won the, the jackpot. I'm talking about the 50 million. Give him the money. Is he happy? What if I give him, no offense to anybody, come on, don't get all condemned today. What if I give him a corona, a pair of sunglasses, and a lounge chair? Maybe even a little Playfish magazine just to fulfill his little fleshly desires. I don't. Is he happy? No. Why? Because the fish was not created for the beach. The fish does not belong on the beach. So there's nothing that you can give the fish that will make him happy because that's not what he was designed for. There's nothing that this world has to offer that will ever fill the void that God has placed in you that only he can meet because you weren't designed for this. This was not the place that you were created to spend eternity. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall remain forever. It is eternity that I was created for. It is the present of God in the garden of Eden that is my fulfillment and Jesus made a way where there seemed to be no way so lower our expectations of earth not him hold earth accountable not heaven don't put your faith in stuff because you could give the fish all the stuff that the world has to offer he'll still suffocate Still shave his head like Britney Spears. Because this world has nothing for you. Many have tried everything. I quit my job. I leave this person. I buy this vehicle. I move to this city. We still end up unsatisfied. Why? Because stuff doesn't satisfy. Stuff doesn't satisfy. Let me show you what the scripture actually says in Psalm 38.4. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not happy. Macarios. More than happy. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Remember Psalm 97.12? May all who are godly be happy. This is what happens when you take part of God's word and you only believe what you want to believe. I didn't even finish the scripture. May all who are godly be happy where? In the Lord. And then, because you're in Him, you express your love for Him in giving of your time, talent, and treasure. You praise His holy name with your life. This is the last thing that's in your notes. And it's probably the most important thing because I believe it's the answer 
for the day. It's the answer for joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's the answer for the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's the answer for broken things being made beautiful and hurtful things being healed. It's the answer for being strong in the midst of our weakness. It's the answer for knowing in whom you have put your trust because you have set your eyes on things above and not on earthly things. And the storm does not subject you to faith. Only Jesus brings joy. See, happiness is it's tied to happenings. But joy is not something that happens. Joy is someone we choose. It's not subject to circumstance. It's not subject to people. It's Him. And I pursue Him. Not because of what He's going to do or what He's going to give me. I pursue Him because it's why I was created. It's my design. It's in my DNA. I pursue Him because He is holy. Father, right now, I just pray that you would help us in this room. I thank you for the patience of your people. And God, I pray right now that if there's anybody in here that has loved the things of this world more than they have loved you, that they would make it right before they leave this place. That even the seasoned saints would be challenged by the definition of blessed today. To see you as who you are, not dependent upon the people in our lives or the situations that we face. And God, if there's anybody in here that does not know you, has not received salvation, has not confessed you as Lord, or maybe they did a long time ago, but they know in their heart that they're not following you and they need to make it right today. I pray in Jesus' name that they would make the choice to confess you and follow you. Church, I need you to pray in your heart right where you are, but if you're in this room today, and the Holy Spirit is stirring in you that you need to receive salvation, that you need to choose Jesus. You need to confess Him as Lord and ask forgiveness for your wrong or unwise decisions. You've been living a lifestyle that doesn't glorify Him, but today you heard the truth of the gospel that God gave His only begotten Son and whomever believes would have eternal life. If I'm talking to you and you know you need to make that right, we're going to pray a prayer in just a minute as a church. We're not going to embarrass you, make you stand up, come to the front. We're not going to do any of that. Because that stuff doesn't save you. It's your confession in Christ that will set you free. If you know in your heart you need to be included in that prayer, and you would just lift your hand and say, Pastor, please include me. I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Just include me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, sir. How incredible. Church, if you need to redefine what you believed about blessing, you understand that it's more than happy. And you need to do a better job of choosing joy. We're going to include you in this prayer as well. Would you just say, Pastor, that's me. There's some stuff around me I've been focused on more than I have been God. I just need to get it right. I need to refocus. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't be ashamed. Say, hey, that's me. That's me. Blessed more than happy to change not my situation 
I need God to change my heart. Come on, I want you to pray this prayer. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. Right where you are, I want everybody to pray this prayer together, whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't. Come on, say it out loud with me. Jesus, forgive me of the things that I've done wrong and the unwise. Save me from this life. May I put my faith in you and you alone. Take my life. Make it yours. Help me to follow you with all of my heart and serve you with everything that I can. Help me to understand what it truly means to be blessed in you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said, can you just praise him right where you sit today? 1231. Stole one minute of your time, but hey, God's not subject to time. He can redeem that too. Come on, hey, listen, what, this is what I need you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand, but as you stand, the scripture says that if even just one returns to the fold, even just one, all of heaven celebrates. So as you stand, because we had about seven, would you stand and just join with the angels for all of those who are committing? Or Come on, like you mean it, church. Like you really care. Like if, if their salvation was tied to your faith right now, would you celebrate them as the angels do? Don't we serve a great God? Hey, listen, today, right now, right now, I usually stand at the back door. I'm not standing there. I love you just as much as I do anybody else. But we have next steps after service, and I've got to be somewhere by 2 o'clock. If you have never been to next steps, we have food and child care available right now. You can join us for the first step of next steps where you're going to find out a little bit more about our church. Next week is discovering more about yourself. And the final week is finding your place and fulfilling your purpose within this house. We want to invite you to that. If you have never been water baptized, I want you to ask Jesus. I want you to ask Jesus. Maybe you have been water baptized, but like my, me and, and my bride, about 10 years ago, a lot had happened between the time that we had been baptized and the time that we were actually living for Jesus. And so as an example and a testimony to the church, we were water baptized again, full-time youth pastors on staff at a church on a Sunday night, and the pastor baptized us in water because we just wanted everybody to know we haven't been perfect, but he is. And so publicly, God is doing an incredible work privately, and we want you to know about it. If you've never been water baptized, sign up. Guys, come eat for free Tuesday night. If you're 55 and over, Forever Young is for you next weekend. Open up your hands like I'm handing you a present. I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name, and we're going to get out of here today. God, I love you, and I thank you so much for these people. I thank you for this church, and I thank you for the work that you're doing in every single person in all of our hearts. God, would you bless us and keep us? Make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Let this be more than words, God. May we truly see in our spirit and sense in our hearts that you are shining down from heaven upon the face of your children. Now lift up your countenance and give us peace that surpasses all understanding even in the midst of our struggles, our sorrows, and our storms. Holy Spirit, come into us. Help us to receive you in the fullness of your glory 
Let us be examples for you. Nobody's excuse. Anoint us to accomplish your will, to walk in your ways, and to achieve the vision that you've given this place to meet people and grow closer to you together. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Meet somebody that you don't know before you leave here today.